1: Well, welcome, everybody, to the Must Read Alaska Show. I'm your host, John Quick, and boy, do we have a treat for you today. But first, we want to thank our show sponsor, Gungerstein, for Senate. She's running for U.S. Senate, and uh, she's nonpartisan and uh, uh, pro-energy and has a couple things to say about how Joe Biden, our president, is not doing a great job. But we want to thank her for being our show sponsor. It's because of her sponsorship that we're able to get all the conservative news through all the nooks and crannies of Alaska, which is very exciting. And today we have an awesome guest. We have Mayor Dave Bronson. And for for folks that have been living in a, under a rock or in a closet, uh, Mayor Dave Bronson is a hero to us conservatives in Alaska. He uh, he uh, won a, the mayor of Anchorage seat uh, about a year or so ago. And every major political poll that was a professional poll that's out there said he didn't have a chance. And he said, hold you know, hold my coffee. Let me go talk to my folks. And he rallied the troops. And he actually went out there and spoke with and to real everyday folks that live in Anchorage and was able to pull off a victory. So welcome to the Must Read Alaska show, Mayor. So happy that
0: you're on the show with us today. John, thank you very much for the opportunity. And and a special thanks to Suzanne for the great work that she does uh, advocating for truth in our our state. So you've... uh, been the mayor for about a
1: year or so. How did you first get involved in politics in the first place? I know that you probably had a career where you probably didn't need to get involved in politics, but maybe you, you saw there was no other choice. But tell us the story of how you first got involved in politics.
0: Um, <laughs> the first time I went to <laughs> In 1968, I went door to door for Richard Nixon in his uh, presidential campaign. I was 10 years old, and my great aunt was the uh, uh, county Republican chairwoman. So uh, we got in her car, and I went door to door doing lit drops. So uh, that's that's the first time. I've always uh, been certainly interested in in politics and in, in history. Um, I think politics is after religion is probably the most important um function in our society uh you know it's the two things they say you're not supposed to talk about in polite company I I disagree I think those are the two things that we must talk about always but politely and um and you know uh, I'm not interested much in sports anymore uh even though I'm a Packer fan Um, because I, I just kind of learned that you, uh, in, uh, you know, you win, you win the Super Bowl and the next day you're starting over and, and it doesn't seem to matter, but in politics, uh, it does matter because we're still dealing with the consequences of the, uh, Lincoln Douglas debates and the races back, you know, a couple hundred years ago. So, um, I think politics is profoundly important. And unfortunately uh, the left seems to recognize that far better than we do. Um, You know, I'm a kind of a center, right, conservative guy. uh, um, And uh, we, we kind of, we're focused on raising our kids and paying the taxes and recreating and, and building businesses and doing our jobs. And the left seemed to, they do better at this. They raise their kids to get into education and into politics and to uh, media, and uh, they've completed their what's called the long march through the institutions. And now we're we're fighting a catch-up game. And uh, frankly, that's why I'm here. I I was retired, uh, retired well, having lots of fun, I guess. And but. Fun doesn't cut it, you know. You're not having real fun when you're watching your city be in your in your state, your country being torn apart by uh, those advocating for a leftist ideology. So uh, that that's that's how I got involved, and moreover, the why I got involved. I love my country more than anything. I put my country before everything, um, before family, before everything else. Country first, country always and um and i was seeing i was seeing it destroyed at the local level and um and even at the national level so um i had to step up I didn't well have we're, a choice.
1: Ha- we're happy that you did and and for folks that have uh maybe caught a couple of the anchorage assembly meetings it seems to be <laughs> literally a battle slash war at times and uh we're we're very thankful that you, you mayor and amy demboski are sitting there uh to battle for the conservative side and even though you said you know you're you're right of center if if you're right of center in the anchorage assembly you are you know uh probably considered very right because that is a very left group of folks and so we appreciate you battling there it seems like you guys are having a meeting every other couple hours so thanks for being there doing that um, you did have a recent victory which is very exciting you know they've. The Anchorage Assembly has been known for their overreach, their uh, just ridiculous spending policies of buying this hotel and that hotel during the COVID season, uh, just kind of wasting money on things that people don't often even realize the money's being wasted on. But you've you've been there and you've kind of called them on the carpet, especially in their overreach. Tell us about this recent court victory and what it means for your administration as it relates to you being able to, you know, handle the day-to-day operations there at the uh, Anchorage municipality?
0: Well, I think it was a clear win for us, um, uh, uh, very clear. We got everything we wanted out of it in that it, it, we, it, the, the court communicated quite clearly that the assembly was overreaching. Um, they, um, and, and to back up a little bit, you know, for the last several years, two administrations um, the assembly was very much involved in running the city. Um, and so I, I think only Pete was the only one that ever served under Dan Sullivan. So under uh, uh, Mayor Berkowitz and um, and Austin Quinn Davidson, those two mayors, uh, they were kind of, the assembly was given a full reign, free reign on managing and running and involving themselves into city operations. We came in and, and I saw instinctively that, and instantly that, that that wasn't right. You you don't run things by committee. in um, our charter structured how the city is run in a very specific way. And it says all the executive functions rest with the mayor. And a lot of those duties are then delegated to the, not responsibilities, but the duties are delegated to the uh, municipal manager in this case, Amy Demboski. So they they would, for example, and it's it's not a big thing, but it's indicative. And that's this is I would want to talk to a director, or Amy would want to talk to one of the directors. Well, the director was unavailable. and We go well. Wait a sec. We need to talk to him or her. And they says, well, they're in a meeting, a work session with the assembly, and. I'm going, well I, I know, and this went on for a long time, and we're trying to get get it under control and they're in the history was, and we kept we kept most of the directors so and and I'm not blaming them, they had this methodology where the assembly calls and they do their beckoning well the the it was we were trying to run a city they were trying to run a city by committee, and that, you know I'm a former military guy airline guy um you run you run large organizations by executive authority uh, or, or executive process. And the process was broken. We stepped in and fixed the process. So eventually it got so. Oh, yeah, I guess the screen <laughs> went dark. there. So I don't, I don't yeah. know where, where we left off with. But uh, I think we were talking about the process. So anyways, we, we, we directed all directors. To, they they could only speak with the assembly assembly staff um, through the municipal manager. We had to rein in the process and 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 kind of clean up the process and, and that worked. Uh, um, the assembly kind of learned that they don't run the city now. We want their their input on the on on direction and uh, certainly spending because they control the purse purse strings. But Man, they, they were raked right down. Well, this lawsuit stemmed from that, that, that internal conflict that, that, that was there. They want to run the city. So we had the, uh, the chief equity officer uh, in the Office of uh, Equality and, and Equity and Justice, and they created it, and they says, well, at the executive level on the eighth floor, we have the right to put in a person in coordination with the mayor, and they did this under uh, Mayor Berkowitz. And then, but and then that person cannot cannot be terminated except for a, 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 an agreement between the assembly and the mayor. Well, that that that's that's against the charter. That and that's that's the foundation of the lawsuit. It's you you can't do that on the executive level. Um, it, nationally, it would be like this. The, the, uh, the, uh, the Congress comes in and hires the, uh, literally hires the, uh, uh Department of Defense or Department of Transportation. Now they certainly, the Senate has an input on, on advice and consent, but, um, you don't do it that way because, so I had an equity officer who was sitting down the hall from me. I'd be in the, in the, in the, uh, coffee room talking to that person this is a person I didn't have any input on hiring uh, this is an, a person who was in reality quite sympathetic to the worldview shared by the assembly and so it was a person that I instinctively c- couldn't really have any confidence in um, because of the their their dual loyalty to the uh, to the assembly and so the process, we we had to, we had to protect the authority of the mayor's office for me and any ensuing mayor. And so we, we took it to court and we prevailed. The judge saw that that was right, that the executive has the authority to hire and fire.
1: I love it. I think that that's such a great victory and, you know, it's, it helps every mayor out from here on out to have that line in the sand um, for, you know, the, the assemblies there to kind of make the budget and, and, do those kinds of high level things. And you're there to play a day-to-day role in operations. And I think there's very clear distinction between those two powers. And this helps clarify that distinction. And no longer can the assembly go and try to hire people in your executive office and oversee them, which I think is a good thing. Um, So kudos to you on that victory. So what are a couple of, you know, you've been here for a little bit. Is Is there one of your accomplishments that sticks out to you that you and your team have been able to Accomplished in the last year, something that you're proud of. Tell us about that.
0: Well, the two big things um, for the city is I see it, or three things uh, actually. Is one is the port. Um, the other is is the overall homeless problem, and that metastasizes into many aspects of society. And then um, trying to drive down the cost of building homes and building businesses in the city. So, on the port issue, we came in and, and um, I restructured it. Uh, we, it took a month or two and, and we had to do a deep dive. And the port, port of, uh, the PAMP, the Port of Alaska Modernization Program, very uh, large. In fact, I, I believe it's the second largest construction project in the history of the state after the pipeline. And we came in and, and it was it was languishing. I think there was an organizational problem we had very talented people managing the port but their port managers not engineers and certainly not large capital project engineers and they were running it and as they're trying as they're busy running the day-to-day well this thing languished for many years even as the port the uh the port was deteriorating to the point of had the um had the earthquake in 2018 um, had that lasted another seven or eight seconds the port would have fallen over and there is nothing more catastrophic to this state than that port failing 90 percent of the people in the state depend on that for port for everything from cars to food uh, to building materials to clothing everything can, and there's no substitute for the port it's not like oh we'll just go to seward or whittier or to homer it doesn't work that way. There's no capacity. That's a single point failure. And if it fails, um, at least, at the very least, half of the population of the state would have to leave the state because there would be no food. Yeah. That, that's how critical this is. And I campaigned on homelessness and Title 2123 changes, building businesses, creating this. A, and as soon as I got in, the, the poor. The port issue went right to the top because of the existential threat it posed to the survivability of the state. And so we reorganized. I put an engineering firm. Uh, they're the, they run the project. OK. And and I told them it turns out it was Jacobs Engineering, great company. But I was pretty stern with them. I said, there's a lot of a lot of engineering companies in the world. And if you don't do the job, I, w- I will fire you and I will hire someone else who will do the job. And I says, I need the timeline shortened and I need the cost uh, uh, brought down to an absolute minimum. And um, Jacobs has performed marvelously. Uh, They're great partners. Um, We're doing our checks and balances. We have other companies looking at their work to make sure that that they're doing their due diligence and uh we've sh- they've shortened the timeline by 18 months to what we call food security which is one portion of the port one dock within the port um and uh we're we're very much encouraged by that and um and once that dock is terminal one has stood up uh we're we're in really good shape uh then we can continue the rest of the project which is a 1.6 billion dollar project. Uh, when, then we can continue on with that uh, for long term future of the city and 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 for the port. That's so awesome. That so that that's that. And then homelessness. I think uh, we came in and and through our departments, um, we I think we're bringing focus to the the homeless issue. I mean, there's there's a, you know, I got a lot of people. I tried to bring a nap center in because we looked around the country and frankly around the world on how to do things and how not to do things. And it became apparent quite quickly that we were not going to do it like they do in St. Paul or Seattle or San Francisco or L.A. And one of those fixes uh, of the greater problem is what's called a navigation center. We advocated for a large navigation center in Elmore Tudor uh, area of town. It it was analyzed by a, a, a the homeless czar for both Biden and um, Trump, that that was a very good site. It was fairly remote, but still close enough to facilities to give the people their um, access to healthcare, food and whatever. Well, the assembly shot me down on that. And so now a year later, and they've been fighting me for a year, most of them, not all of them. And uh, we could have had it stood up by Uh, June July maybe even August and so now we're here so the Sullivan had to shut down on June on uh, July 1st because the funding for it was ending the FEMA funding for it we didn't have a choice so we shut it down and I go well hey folks we got another six or five weeks to before the Sullivan shuts down what are we going to do and so we brainstormed and I, I don't like the idea of campgrounds for homeless but we were in a big fire danger. Davis Park. We um, there was. I walked Davis Park. There was people living all over in the woods. Woods and it was tinder dry. There was bears everywhere. And I says the fire threat drove a lot of our decision making. And so I says, what's the fix? And the staff came up and says, well, we've got this campground, Centennial Park. It's underutilized. Let's. Uh, <clears throat> We, we can allow people who want to camp there. So we had 58 people that came out of the Sullivan and uh, and they wanted to go there. So we provided them transportation. Uh, there is a narrative out there wrongly that we forced them out and forced them into Centennial Campground. Nothing could be further from the truth. But most most of the 200 people came from other campgrounds. And so we tr- we provided a very a much better environment, hot, cold, running water. We cut the trees up to six feet um, um, so that you can get along a lot of visibility from one spot up to in some place up to 200 yards of visibility uh, and hot, cold, running water. Uh, we segregated women and men. Um, um, it certainly wasn't without problems. And when you're dealing with a problematic population, there's going to be problems. And, uh, and, it, and I spent... A lot of time there. I spent I actually slept there uh, one night here a, a couple weeks ago. And um, and we and I was there most days, twice a day. I do a morning run, evening run. So all of a sudden this narrative came out by some politicians who are running for office. That this, it's a humanitarian crisis. And nothing could be further from the truth. And it's this great lie. Uh, one person says it. Another person repeats it. And, and all of a sudden they say it's a humanitarian crisis. It is not, Not it's not even close. We've got video, we've got photos of it. We've interviewed people. And and, and, and when I go in there, people routinely say, thank you for standing this, this up. This is way better than the Sullivan. It's way better than Davis Park because of the amenities. And we run a, a tight ship. We didn't allow garbage to be accumulated, no shopping carts, no lawnmowers. Uh, it, we said, and we gave them tubs. So we, we, it's a clean operation. Um, and, uh, but it's not without challenges, but we we actively work the challenges and, in the problems and Salvation Army stood up here a couple of weeks ago and they're running the operation, the coordination free of charge. And, uh, so I, I you know, I just, you know, people, want to know the truth, it's fine. But if you're going to believe a bunch of politicians running for office who want to destroy me in whatever effort, by the way, the same politicians who kept me from standing up by and large, the Nav Center for a year, because if we remember this, if we had that Nav Center, we wouldn't be in the park. The park is the, is the least worst of all the options, Centennial Park. And so that's the that's, that's world I deal with, uh, that I, I, I work in. People say, well, you can't do that. You can't put people in a park. I says, you know, uh, my obligation is I have a bunch of must-dos, and I live in a world with a bunch of people who says you can't do. Well, I'm going to focus on what I must do, and I'm just going to do it. And then the people, the naysayers, the, these, what are they, nattering nabobs of negativity, I think Schwarzkopf called them, um, we're going to let them pitter-patter and, and, and talk on the side. We're just going to do what needs to be done as unpleasant as it is. And then we'll keep moving forward and there'll be more challenges. As you know, there was a shooting last week there, Wednesday. Uh, we, we had a police officer and a, uh, a perpetrator that was shot in exchange of gunfire, really bad. But that stuff happens all the time in the, in the homeless community. At least we were in a site where the police had access. And, uh, and so uh, we're actively managing that camp very proactively. And uh, we're we're going to get there. It's we're not going to solve homelessness. That's what everyone I think everyone agrees on that. It's how well you manage it is what matters. And uh, so, anyways, you know that you know homelessness, uh, the port that's a big one. Title 21, 23 changes. Um, same house. It's roughly uh, 30 35 percent premium in an Anchorage to build a house compared to the valley. So a lot of people leaving. Anchorage to go to the valley. I want to reverse that. Um, I I think we need fewer people on the roads. I think Anchorage is a better place to live if you're working in Anchorage. And uh, so with Title 21, that is how you use your land, and 20, uh, Title 23, how you build your buildings. If we make them easier and and we're we're more competitive with the valley, I I think we'll get a really good outcome.
1: Well, Mayor, I uh, sounds like you and your staff are. Are uh, got your work cut out for you. You've, you've been able to accomplish <laughs> it and experience some pretty tremendous things right out the gate. And uh, I want to encourage you to keep uh, fighting the good fight. Uh, we've unfortunately ran out of time, a half an hour has gone by very quickly. And so I want to thank you for coming on the must read Alaska show and, uh, thank you to you and your staff, uh, for again, keeping up that good fight. I think that, uh, oftentimes, uh, good folks don't run for office because they don't want to go through all the BS and the drama. And you stuck your name out there, put your name in the hat, and won. And I hope that you continue on uh, uh, to have success as the mayor and even far and above and beyond that. Um, so thank you so much for coming yeah. on the Must Read Alaska show. I want to thank our show sponsor, Gungerstein for Senate, uh, for sponsoring the Must Read Alaska show. It's because of her sponsorship, we're able to get conservative news through all the nooks and crannies of Alaska. And uh, for those of you that have not yet checked out the Anchorage Assembly meeting, go out and check it out. It's quite the uh, entertainment factor is about a 10 out of 10. And uh, you will uh, you won't want to miss at least a couple of those every once in a while because they keep you on your toes and they keep you thankful for what you have in your own city. And and there's and there's one
0: on tonight. And we're told the the social what is it? The Socialist. Party of Alaska is going to be there protesting tonight. So I don't know what they're protesting. So
1: that should be uh, that should be fun. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening and uh, tune in tomorrow. We'll have the uh, CEO of the Rassman Foundation on uh, talking about what they're doing in Alaska. And uh, we hope to hear from you soon. Until next time, I'm John Quick from somewhere in Alaska.